The streets outside a large convention center in downtown Cedar Rapids were packed with cheering campaign staffers and volunteers. They were all engaged in a playful competition of who could rile up their troops the most. It was June 2019, and this was the first major multi-candidate event of the 2020 cycle. Many of the 19 contenders showed up early to rally their supporters outside. I am ready to go. I think everyone that knows me from home knows that I will not stop until we win. These cattle calls are a staple of the presidential campaign trail that runs through Iowa. The Hall of Fame event hosted by the Iowa Democratic Party is an annual to-do. Thank you, uh, Iowa Democrats. It looks to me like I was ready for a new president. Each candidate got just five minutes to talk, and they get the Academy Award music treatment if they go too long. We're doing these things because we need to put working people first in America. We can do it, brothers and sisters. Thank you. These presidential candidates have been coming to the state for months, some of them for years. Iowans were getting a sneak preview before most of the country saw them debate. I'm Kate Payne. I'm Clay Masters. From the newsroom of Iowa Public Radio, this is Caucus Land. Oh, yes! Four days into 2019, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren made her first trip to Iowa after she'd announced her exploratory presidential campaign. I very much appreciate the effort that folks here in Iowa put in to helping us determine the direction our country will take from here. Lesser known candidates like South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg started small. We live uh, right up I-80. You get on I-80, you drive about six hours, make two right turns and you're in our driveway. (laughs) While bigger names like Bernie Sanders could hold large rallies. In 2016, This is where the political revolution began, right here in Iowa. Sanders and former Vice President Joe Biden have stayed at the top of Iowa's polls. Biden hasn't been here as much as other candidates, but when he is, he's focused on the president. You know, he says, let's make America great again. Let's make America America again. Former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke started his campaign here in Iowa. You, You have been so kind to us on just the second day that we are running to serve you as the next president of the United States of America. I just cannot tell you how good this feels. On this episode of Caucus Land, we're talking about how the Democrats started campaigning here. Look, I think anybody and everybody who wants to run should jump in. Spoiler alert, there are a lot to keep track of, but we'll help you through it after this break. Caucus Land is sponsored by Gravitate Coworking and by Cornell College in Mount Vernon, Iowa, where students get a first-in-the-nation hands-on experience with the political process every election cycle. Explore interdisciplinary learning at cornellcollege.edu. This is Caucus Land from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Kate Payne. I'm Clay Masters. Candidates thinking about running for president are always coming to Iowa. Here's New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio meeting with reporters in December of 2017. Now I'm going to do a visual. He pulled out a piece of gum when he was asked about whether he can govern New York City while pursuing a national political agenda. Taking the gum out. Okay. This is gum. Chewing the gum now. Now watch this. This is going to be amazing. I am walking while chewing the gum. 
De Blasio was trying to show that he can do two things at once. Former Maryland Congressman John Delaney made running for president pretty much his full-time job. He ran this ad during the Super Bowl in Iowa in January 2018. It's true. John Delaney said a dirty word in Davenport, unabashedly telling people he's a firm believer in, well... Bipartisanship. 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 It might be a dirty word in Washington, but it seems to be awfully refreshing right here in Iowa. Delaney had already visited all of Iowa's 99 counties, months before other candidates had even entered the race. The midterm was a preview of all the candidates that would be here the next year. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar. They were all here stumping for Democrats on the Iowa midterm ballot. When those ended and a new year began, those candidates started coming back. The line was around the block in Storm Lake. It was January 5th, and Senator Elizabeth Warren was in western Iowa, the most reliably conservative part of the state. Voter Barbara Stroud was standing in that line. And even though the year had just begun, it didn't feel too early for her to be hearing from a 2020 contender. And so we have to start looking at them now, finding out which ones we need to weed out early and let them know that they're just not the candidate that we're looking for. And so this is a good opportunity. I'm actually surprised that... uh, Elizabeth Warren found found Storm Lake on on the map and, and is coming here. One of the first things these candidates need to do is introduce themselves. I wanted to start with a story. This was Senator Warren at her Sioux City stop during her opening swing through Iowa. I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, born and raised there. Oh, did I hear an Okie? She talks about the bills piling up after her dad got sick. How her mom, who had never worked outside the home, had to get a minimum wage job. And for Warren, this story isn't just about her family, but about families across America. Back when I was in middle school and my mom got that minimum wage job, a minimum wage job in America would support a family of three. You could pay a mortgage, you could keep the utilities on, and you could put food on the table. Today, a minimum wage job in America full-time will not keep a mama and a baby out of poverty. This is one of the challenges for candidates, weaving their personal stories into their vision for the country in a way that sticks with people. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand kicked off her exploratory campaign at the third Women's March at the Capitol building in Des Moines. Her identity as a mom of young children, as a woman, is a major part of the story she tells on the trail. In the two years since the Women's March, the stakes have only gotten higher. But as we can see today, looking around today's incredible gathering, of all the women who are willing to march and all the men who love them. We aren't going away. Our movement is growing. It is not fading. It is women who are leading the fight for our democracy. Many of the Iowans who show up at these early events are still compiling their lists of who they like. And there are many ways to appeal to Iowans. It helps when you're related to some. So I feel very blessed to have a a big base of support here in Iowa, a family route to go back here for a century or more. That's New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. He started his maiden voyage to Iowa with a private stop to see a crowded room of extended family in Des Moines.
Part of Booker's stump speech includes talking about how his relatives came to Buxton, Iowa from the south to work in the mine there in the early 1900s. Many of his family members are still in Des Moines and were there on that chilly February night. And then I want to give recognition to the matriarch of our family, my Aunt Alma, who I've known since I was a wee little boy. And uh, you are rightfully sitting over there with a crown, a tiara on your head. And uh, I, I've got to get, I've got to get that a picture of you and me together. I haven't got that yet. Candidates can also rely on their national profile. California Senator Kamala Harris made headlines as only the second black woman ever elected to the chamber, the same year Donald Trump won the presidency. Her very first official event in the state wasn't a visit at a coffee shop or a community college, but a CNN town hall in Des Moines. On a later trip, she made a stop in the Mississippi River town of Bettendorf. Oh, it's good to be in the Quad Cities. Harris says she grew up in a family of civil rights activists. Her parents divorced when she was young, and she presents herself as self-directed and pragmatic. The vast majority of us have so much more in common than what separates us. And we have got to hold on to that. Our personal health, the health of our children or our parents. For so many Americans, can I get a job, keep a job, pay the bills by the end of the month, retire with dignity, help my relative off of their opioid addiction? For our students, can I pay off those student loans? For some, being from the Midwest helps. So I think you all know that I am from Minnesota, the senator next door, right? Uh, I like to say that I can see Iowa from my porch. That's Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who announced her candidacy during a snowstorm in Minneapolis. After announcing, she visited small towns in Iowa, like Knoxville, where she spoke at a small brewery. When I talk about Heartland Economics, I'm talking about these bread and butter issues uh, that are affecting us in our daily lives, like the cost of prescription drugs, uh, like what's happening with education, uh, like what's happening with income inequality. And Iowa um, is a place where you actually can talk to people one-on-one in small places and dining rooms and breweries like this one. Another Midwesterner who was virtually unknown at the start of 2019 held some small meet and greets. South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg's first stop to Iowa as a candidate included a living room stop in the Des Moines suburb of Johnston. Part of how this president got where he was was based on the idea that, that resentment and nostalgia were the only formula for the industrial Midwest. Whereas we actually see communities in the heartland that are changing our future and, and working toward a better future. Pat Walters was there and was impressed with Buttigieg. I mean, there are people that have bigger names, but when you get in a small group like this, if you can energize five or ten people to go out and start working for you, ask Barack Obama. And two months later, after a CNN town hall that raised Buttigieg's notoriety, suddenly a lot more Iowans were interested in seeing him. But frankly, we also thought we'd be spending the better part of April just explaining to people how to say my name. And then once we got that done with uh, vindicating the idea that somebody like me ought to maybe be included in the conversation. Um, About 1,600 people gathered for an outdoor rally in Des Moines that April. I think it's safe to say we've cleared that bar. What do you think? Meanwhile, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders made his first trip to Iowa as a 2020 hopeful in March, visiting larger cities. When I first came here to campaign in 2015, not a whole lot of people knew who the junior senator from Vermont was. Sanders was picking up where he'd left off after losing the Democratic nomination to Hillary Clinton in 2016. 
Now, as we move to 2020, our job is to complete that revolution. Jennifer Berkey was at Sanders' Des Moines stop. I'm 100% Sanders. Many of those at the Sanders rally I spoke with were still committed to him. He's not afraid to tell the truth. He's not afraid to battle the truth. He's not afraid to battle the bigwigs. He'll look the Koch brothers right in the face and tell them what he thinks. While Bernie Sanders still has a lot of supporters, most caucus goers are not in a big hurry to pick a favorite. Many of the new candidates are taking up policies that Sanders ran on in 2016, like Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. I've served as a soldier for over 16 years, deployed twice to the Middle East, and in Congress have served for over six years on the Foreign Affairs and the Armed Services Committees. I know the importance of our national security, and I know the cost of war. I've seen it firsthand. She stepped down as vice chair of the Democratic National Committee in 2016 in order to endorse Sanders. While many of the candidates are running on broad expansions of the social safety net, others are calling for moderation. During a cycle when Medicare for All has become a rallying cry for some Democratic activists, some candidates, like Congressman Tim Ryan of Ohio and Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, want a more incremental approach to health care. We need to build a broad-based agenda for America that unifies our country, that unifies Democrats, but also brings along independents and Republicans who know the Freedom Caucus is not representing what they need for their kids or for their grandkids or for America's place in the world. All of this action is just a slice of the campaigning that had started since the beginning of the new year. With some two dozen Democratic candidates, there is a lot of competition to make it onto Iowa Democrats' short list of favorites. We'll bring you more of this action after we take a quick break. Caucus Land is sponsored by Cornell College and by Gravitate Coworking, providing flexible workspace for freelancers, remote workers, teams, or anyone sending emails from a couch or a coffee shop, including those in Iowa for the caucuses, with premier co-working spaces in downtown Des Moines and Historic Valley Junction. Learn more at gravitatecoworking.com. Are you enjoying this episode of Caucus Land? Find more stories about the candidates and learn about their positions on the issues. Stay up to date on the race to the White House by going online to iowapublicradio.org 2020. Your support makes Caucus Land possible. Take a few minutes and donate to IPR. Whether it's $5, $10, or more, your gift is an investment in high-quality journalism. This is Caucus Land from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Kate Payne. I'm Clay Masters. In mid-March, Beto O'Rourke got into the presidential race. Many Iowans were interested in seeing the former Texas congressman, like those packed into this sing-along bar in Mount Vernon, Iowa. I'd like to build a world and with Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow-white turtledoves. O'Rourke turned a lot of heads as the man who almost defeated Senator Ted Cruz just the year before. He started his campaign in Keokuk, going from town to town, delivering his stump speech, standing atop counters and tables. He drove his own rental van, and I hopped in the passenger seat while he drove between stops. I shouldn't be surprised by it, but people are just so kind 
um, so warm and so welcoming. And there are people who I just met who said, I'm with you, I'm gonna support you and I plan to caucus for you. There are people who said, I haven't made up my mind. Um, there are folks who say they're leaning towards supporting another candidate, but all of them are unfailingly nice and kind and respectful and demonstrate the kind of civility that we need more of in our politics. Living in a border town, O'Rourke is regularly asked about immigration, like he was in Mount Vernon. Imagine what it's like to scoop up your daughter or your baby, leave your home, your community, your country, your language, your culture, what is comfortable to you, travel in some cases thousands of miles, and show up a stranger in a strange land. You did not do that for kicks. You did not do that to take anything from anybody else. You did it perhaps because you had no other choice. Fellow Texan and former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Julian Castro also regularly talks immigration on the stump. Here he is during his first swing through Iowa in February at a small campaign stop in the western Iowa town of Denison. We're always going to need a secure border. And we can make investments to ensure that our border is always secure. But we can also be humane um, and not take children away from their mothers. Immigration is one of the topics many caucus goers want to hear about, like health care or climate change. Iowans and their issues get a lot of attention throughout this whole process. Sometimes tragedy strikes, and they get even more. That's what happened to Fran and Jason Parr of Mills County. Their home was heavily damaged in the flooding that devastated parts of southwest Iowa this year. Yeah, so this uh, this is this was the kitchen. Yep. This was the kitchen, and uh, um, our current quest over here is to get everything we can, everything we can out. Yep. One after another, candidates made the trek to what was left of the Pars home in a rural area outside of a town of 470 people. Former Maryland Congressman John Delaney met with them in their home. So just she like, had a new kitchen. Yeah, it was a nice kitchen. I got to say, it was a damn nice kitchen. That kind of pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of things to be pissed off about. Well, well, that doesn't do much good sometimes, does it? First, let's save the republic. These visits give candidates a view into Iowans' everyday struggles and the role government can play. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they buy you all out, uh, that'll be good, but then the town's going to lose all the tax revenue for this. When historic flooding struck Mississippi River communities on the other side of the state, candidates flocked there too, meeting with business owners and construction workers. Davenport saw its highest flood on record this year. Candidates, including former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, traveled there to ask what more the federal government could do. Well, I, th I think it, we're getting to the point where climate change is having sufficient impact on everybody and, and, and all the consequences. So there's all kinds of little, uh, uh, what they call collateral damage, right, that happens. So it's, it's all these businesses here, but then there are people that these people do business with. You have all the, there's just a whole waterfall of consequences when you don't build in the resiliency. Washington Governor Jay Inslee also visited Davenport to draw a through line from local issues to his policies on combating climate change. We ought to have a government that's protecting these people from these floods. We ought to have a government that is smart enough to realize that if we don't fight the climate crisis, these floods are just going to keep coming over the tops of these barriers, and they're just going to keep flooding out our businesses, and they're just going to keep people taking people's lives. And that's maddening to me. Other Iowans find themselves in candidates' orbits for better reasons. In March, a special election for a state Senate seat was called when a lawmaker resigned. 
Eric Giddens, a community school board member, jumped in the race, and presidential hopefuls seized on the opportunity. They wanted to help out a local Democrat and meet with engaged voters. We have to walk the talk, and that is what has brought every single one of us here today under this beautiful sky to support Eric Giddens for state... They knocked on doors and phone banked for Giddens and did shout outs on social media. Hey Panthers, Kirsten Gillibrand here. Vote today and tomorrow for Eric Giddens for state Senate. He's running in the special election for Senate District 30. Polls are open until 7 p.m. at Mocker Union, so make sure you get there. Bring everyone you know, your vote matters. It was all a little surreal, Giddens says, but perfect timing for his campaign. It's been a lot of fun and they're they're all super nice, and but it, you know, they're... They're just folks like the rest of us who happen to be in very important positions. Positions like running for president of the United States. And Montana Governor Steve Bullock got into the race in May, after much of the field had already declared. A big part of his pitch to Iowans is he won re-election in 2016, even though Montana went with Donald Trump for president. Bullock passed Medicaid expansion and a campaign transparency law in Montana. I don't have the luxury of just going to pockets of blue. I actually have to go out and talk to people engaged all across this 147,000-square-mile state. Bullock also picked up an endorsement from Iowa Attorney General Tom Miller, the longest-serving state attorney general in the country. Miller endorsed Barack Obama right out of the gate in 2007, and now he sees something in Bullock, too. In a field this big, relatively unknown candidates are looking for ways to stand out. Author Marianne Williamson moved to Des Moines. Entrepreneur Andrew Yang is giving an Iowa family $1,000 a month for one year. It's part of his plan for universal basic income he's proposed for every American over the age of 18. For some presidential candidates, their past reputation precedes them and defines them. On a wet, chilly afternoon in October of 2018, voter Richard Huber was waiting in line outside of a community hall in Cedar Rapids. Former Vice President Joe Biden was visiting to campaign for now Representative Abby Finkenauer, who would go on to be one of the youngest women ever elected to Congress. Huber stood out in the rain with a yard sign in hand. I was a, uh, a Joe Biden uh, fanatic when he was running in 2008. And this sign has been in my garage for 12 years. He dug the sign out of his garage and re-lettered it to read Biden for President 2020. I think he's about the only person we have that will be able to run against Trump. Mind you, this was months before Biden formally declared. The day after he did, he came back to that very same hall in Cedar Rapids. You all know in your gut that uh, this election for president is different. It's different than, uh, than any election we've gone through, not because I'm running. It's different. And the reason it's different is the very core values of our nation are standing in the world our very democracy, everything that's made America, America is at stake. And we know why. Limited to four years, this administration will go down in history as an aberrant moment in time. But give eight years to this administration in the White House, we're going to forever and fundamentally change the character of the country. Biden has been leading in the polls for months here in Iowa. But ask any political scientist and they'll tell you polls are just a snapshot in time. And don't read too much into them beyond that. Meanwhile, President Trump and the Republican Party are labeling the Democratic contenders as socialists and extremists, while the Democrats are making a point of calling out Trump. 
In September, the DNC will up the qualifications for making the debate stage. And for candidates, the stakes will be even higher for a breakout moment. Maybe that'll be at the state fair, a staple of campaigning in Iowa, which we'll take you to on the next episode of Caucus Land. But before we go, we're ending the show with a segment we're calling Only in Iowa. This week, we're bringing you the story of an Iowan who found herself at the center of a candidate's event and went viral in the process. 22-year-old Hannah Kinney was getting dinner with her Bible study group at a bar in Iowa City. She had heard a candidate was coming to town. But I did not remember where and I didn't remember who. They ordered pizza for the group, and Kinney got up to get some ranch dressing. For you non-Midwesterners, it's a thing. And by the time I go down there, it's full, it's packed, like, especially right where you, like, go to ask for a table. And I was like, this isn't super convenient. I don't know how to get around this. She found herself in the middle of a campaign event for someone who she would later learn was Kirsten Gillibrand. The New York senator was perched on a counter, surrounded by potential voters, staffers, and reporters. I started just kind of wiggling my way in. I'm I'm only 5'2", so it's like a little bit easier. The only way for Kinney to get where she was going was to push right through. Somehow I ended up near the front of the line, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. Like, they're going to think I'm cutting them. What happened next was captured on social media. Kinney squeezes through the crowd, edging past Gillibrand, who thinks Kinney is trying to speak with her. I didn't want Kirsten to think I had a question to ask her, so when she touched my shoulder, I just went, I'm just trying to get some ranch. The video went viral. The Washington Post, CNN, and Fox News all ran stories about Kinney, who is dubbed Ranch Girl. Within hours, there was a t-shirt bearing the slogan, which Gillibrand has worn. Clay and NPR's Tamara Keith asked the senator about the interaction in an interview. How do you really feel about ranch dressing? It's not my favorite. (laughs) Was it your favorite before that? No, not my favorite. Uh, But the lady was lovely, and I just thought she was trying to ask a question. I said, oh, do you you have a question? She's like, no, I'm just trying to get some ranch. I said, oh, okay. Kinney says she feels a little weird about how this moment blew up. People, like a lot of people, when they say like they think of Kirsten, they think of like the ranch girl thing, which I feel kind of sorry about because obviously like you don't want that the first thing to think of when people think of your campaign. She says Gillibrand is on her short list, at least for now. Okay, we want to hear your only in Iowa stories as well. Give us a call if you have one at 888-893-2036. Just leave us a voicemail and tell us how to get a hold of you. Caucus Land is produced by myself, Clay Masters, Kate Payne, and John Pimble, with production support from Jason Burns, Sean McLean, and Nick Brinks. Our music was composed by Garrett Schmidt and performed by Garrett and Aaron James. Our news director is Michael Leland. Our executive producer is Catherine Perkins. Subscribe to Caucus Land wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and share the show. Caucus Land is a production of Iowa Public Radio News. 